Hey, everyone. Welcome back to 51%'s Crypto Research Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Shaughnessy. Today, I had a great conversation with Mike Kane, the co-founder and CEO of Hydrogen. Hydrogen, along with the Hydro Token, is a platform company that's a one-stop shop to enable the next generation of financial applications. As a platform company, Hydrogen should be thought of similar to Ethereum or EOS and not a product company. Successful platform companies are able to attract massive network effects as applications are built on top of them. We've seen that with Ethereum. Interestingly, Hydrogen is a one-stop shop, so it offers all the pieces to build financial applications instead of requiring developers to talk to 15 startups for each piece. For example, if a developer wants to build an application, they have to go to one company for KYC, one for identity, one for payments, one for verification. Instead, Hydrogen offers all of these pieces for developers in an end-to-end platform to build applications. This conversation is especially worthwhile since everyone wants to know how crypto and blockchain will affect the future, especially in the world of finance. This conversation covers building the future of finance and specifically how Hydrogen isn't looking to displace Web 2.0 companies, but is instead focused on building the Web 3.0. Hydrogen is clean, which we're a fan of. The company hasn't done an ICO, has over 13,000 developers on the platform, and is constantly winning awards, doing meetups, and hosting events. The company has dozens of partners and even has TD Bank as a client. Most interestingly, the company Hydrogen is profitable today, which is unheard of in the world of crypto. Separately, we want to remind our listeners that you can visit 51pct.io for our latest research reports. All you have to do is enter your email address and you'll get our latest deep dive and valuation model on MakerDAO, and you'll be signed up to receive all of our future alerts on any new research reports we put out. With that... Here's my conversation with Mike Kane. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Mike Kane from Hydrogen. Mike, how's it going? That's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you guys play really well into our focus because you guys are creating the new ecosystem for new financial products. You're using the blockchain to do it. Uh, so I'm really interested to get into what you're doing and how you got started. So let's start with, you know, how'd you get started in crypto? Awesome. Well, no, thanks for having me again. Um, so our crypto story actually goes back almost five years now. Um, myself, my brother, Matt, uh, we're twins. We founded another company called Hedgeable. Uh, we were one of the first digital investing platforms to launch in the U.S. in 2009. Um, and our, our pitch was really to bring a more high net worth style of investing to the mass market. Um, so you can imagine how this played very well into crypto and crypto started getting big in uh, 2010 to 2013. Uh, there wasn't a lot of access for retail investors. And that was really our whole pitch. Uh, you know, let's, let's assume Coinbase uh, was really the only place to get it. And at that time, no one knew how to even open a wallet. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to buy it. Uh, so we actually were the first platform in the whole world first uh, digital investing platform to offer that. We integrated Coinbase in, I would say, 2013, about five or six years ago. Uh, we were one of their first integrations, um, and we actually offered the ability to add it to your portfolio. So this is becoming very prevalent now. Um, we just saw it as a great investment. This is when Bitcoin was at, I don't know, $200. Uh, we put a, a small chunk in based on some modeling of portfolios, and we allowed our retail clients to invest in the asset. Uh, so original exposure was more on the investing and the asset allocation side. We just thought it was a great opportunity, great technology uh, before most of the altcoin uh, market really started. Um, you know, as the, the altcoins and the, the blockchain 
platforms and tech started being built in the last few years, we just said to ourselves, wow, this is a really great opportunity. We, we had started Hydrogen, our, our new platform at that time, because there isn't really anyone playing in the space of offering you know, kind of an ecosystem for financial services. Uh, you know, there's Ripples of the world that's doing payments. Um, there's, you know, R3 and some other, uh, you know, financial services like Hyperledger uh, related platforms. Uh, but they're very institutional and they're also um, very non-blockchain oriented, uh, meaning in the traditional sense, they're very permissioned and very uh, private blockchain uh, distributed ledger platforms. So we just saw a huge opportunity given our experience and given uh, our network to kind of build the first public ecosystem that's targeting the financial services, the public blockchain and true uh, blockchain the way it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's super interesting. So before we get into your individual products, I'd like to get into where you fit into the financial stack today at a high level. So are you guys looking to displace, like, let's say a bank or are you looking to displace, like, let's say, a Twilio with your two-factor authentication products. It's just at a high level, you know, where do you guys fit in? Yeah, so where where do you high, not fit in? Yeah, at a high level, we're a platform. So you should view Hydrogen like other platforms, like other cloud platforms, uh, things like um, IBM and Salesforce, um, some of their uh, kind of multi-product platforms that they offer across different industries. Uh, Salesforce is now getting really uh, big into financial services, cloud platforms, uh, Oracle, um, some of the other big tech players. Um, so that's really who we see ourselves competing against um, because not only do we have the blockchain platform Hydro, we have a non-blockchain uh, platform as well called Atom. So uh, really we're trying to build a diversified ecosystem where if you're a developer, you're an enterprise, and you want to build and run some of these newer fintech applications, you really don't have a place to go now. Um, it's very hard to go to one of those big platforms. They don't, um, you know, they don't really service uh, companies well because they don't act as a startup. They're selling a lot of consulting services, a lot of custom implementations. We're built more like a, a software as a service where uh, things are very easy to use. They're very out of the box and they're very plug and play uh, for you. Yeah, we're not competing too much on the individual niches within the different verticals. So yes, we have an identity standard. Yes, we have authentication standard. It doesn't really really displacing any of those. We're more working on top of them and building a platform and protocols and libraries that may even use some of those things in the different verticals. Got it. So you guys are basically setting out to enable the new financial applications that will be built on the blockchain or potentially not on the blockchain? That, that's correct, yes. We view ourselves more as an enabler and a connector than a dis displacer. So we're, we're very top of the, the funnel or top of the food chain. So things would connect into us. give you a good example, uh, we can just dive into this now. We just put out uh, ERC-1484. It's actually something that we worked on internally and we're really excited about. We're getting a lot of good feedback uh, from the, the Ethereum community. Uh, it's the first Ethereum uh, digital identity aggregation standard. So there's a lot of individual identity standards, uh, as you probably know, and they all are very competitive with each other. Uh, so Uport uses one, Civic uses one, you this person, Sovereign, et cetera. They all use different variations. Um, so they're not really compatible with each other. So a lot of what we try to do is just think more like a, a platform and an ecosystem. Well, how can we aggregate all this so we can create something that's compatible with all of them? And that's very um, 
uh, kind of standard to the rest of our platform. It's, we're trying to connect things, trying to integrate things, and just make it really easy to build on top of. And that's like the perfect example from the crypto world. No, that's awesome. And for, for the listeners who aren't aware, the ERCs are just updates to Ethereum. Um, I forgot the... I forgot the actual acronym. Ethereum request for comment, I think it is. Right, yeah. Ethereum uh, for comment, yeah. So we're, we're number, that's number 1484. Uh, there's very few of them that they've actually put into uh, process. We're hoping this will be one. It's really just up to the community to accept it. So uh, we've already gotten past the point where it's in the comment phase. We've done a ton of comments and feedback. Uh, we use this internally for our uh, product. So really all we've decided to do with, with our platform is open source as much as possible. So as we're adding these new innovations in the blockchain, we've been posting them you know, for the rest of the community, uh, which is why one of the, the biggest reasons why we like Ethereum is it's very open. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, I got to be honest, I started looking at you guys a while ago. You're probably one of the first people I spoke to when I started my crypto journey. And just for full disclosure, I do own some hydro tokens from an airdrop uh, from a while back. But when I, when I came across you guys, I thought, you know, hey, you know, it's kind of hard to understand what they do. And I think that's sometimes the case when you come across a platform company because it's, hey, we could enable all of this, but we don't have this one specific, you know, product to point to. But on the flip side, platforms have huge growth potential because they can enable tons of applications on them, you know, on their own. So, I guess it'd be worth just diving into each of your products to begin with. I guess let's start with Adam. Uh, what is Adam and what does it do? Sure. Yeah, so I think you made a great point about companies that have platforms and not products. Uh, in, the, in a lot of early stages of ecosystems, and you could think of the Web 3.0 as a new ecosystem, I think people get wrapped up too much in specific products and implementations. Uh, really what you need to enable these uh, kind of growth stages in these ecosystems is platforms. You know, without platforms, you don't have products. And I think too many people focus on the other way around in blockchain and they're paying the price. You know, I think 80 to 90% of ICOs have failed at this point because again, they're, they're either pitching something that they can't make or they're pitching very, very niche kind of small products without underlying platform built under it. Um, so that being said, we, we have two core products on our platform. Very simple to understand. We have one called Atom, and Atom is basically core fintech infrastructure. And this would be centralized infrastructure. So this would be, if, let's say you wanted to build Coinbase or Robinhood or Lemonade or you know different kinds of you know, startups and the verticals like insurance and investing and wealth and savings. We have all the financial engineering and infrastructure and connectivity you would need to build those through APIs and libraries different applications we built out. Um, so that's called Atom. And we have a kind of a parallel platform, which is the main focus of this conversation called Hydro. Um, we do a lot of parallel things there, but it, it's decentralized. So instead of having centralized applications, we allow you to either build or more uh, typically connect to uh, centralized applications, adding decentralized components. Uh, so things like decentralizing security, you know, uh, identity management, document management, and payments. Uh, these are all kind of core things you would need in most financial applications. We built out a whole layer called Hydro that allows you, um, and we'll get I'm sure into more detail on it, to decentralize it. But So those are kind of the two core products. Uh, we sell them together. A lot of our clients use both. Um, some use one, some use the other. Uh, but the really cool thing is it's the same platform. So when you onboard to us, it's the same 
API credentials, the same developer kit, same onboarding, um, and it's almost seamless to use both. So it, we're getting a lot of traction now because we just make it easy, easy enough to build all different kinds of applications, you know, not just specific ones. No, that's awesome. And before we go to Hydro Blockchain, just staying on Adam for a second, on your website, hydrogenplatform.com, you guys list the Nucleus API and, you know, what you guys can build, you know, the type of fintech applications you can build with your APIs. You know, these range from investment products to authentication, performance, questionnaires, a lot of different types of products that people can build. So what's the difference between using your set of APIs and using one of your competitors? And I'm not exactly sure who that would be. Yes, great question. So this gets back to the again the feature or platform approach. Like, are, are you a horizontal platform or a vertical uh, product? Use yourselves as a, a horizontal like, scaling platform, meaning we fill in all the different verticals. So there are firms that do customer onboarding. There are firms that do uh, I don't know uh, simulations, and there are firms that do analytics and things like that. And they do them very well. What we do is we do all of them, kind of all strung together. So our big advantage is uh, data engineering. And let's say you're an enterprise, you have 20 million customers. You're going to have to go to probably 10 to 15 different startups to fill everything you need if you're building the next Coinbase. Um, they, if they go to try to build Coinbase, they're going to need one platform to do onboarding and one to do KYC and then one to do analytics and one to do um, I don't know, the back office integrations, and it goes down the line. So our platform kind of puts all that together. Uh, we have kind of the connectivity you need and, and a lot of the uh, proprietary uh, functions you need, like to do the different calculations and onboarding and uh, customer service and like ongoing analytics. It's very, very difficult for these companies to do that. So that's really what Adam does. Think of it as like digital transformation in a box. If you're either an enterprise looking to build, for a new company, we kind of have, I would say, 80% of what you need already done out of the box. So it saves you an enormous amount of time and energy and you don't have to go contract out to a million different startups and try to string it all together. This is uh, it's interesting. So you guys are basically a one-stop shop. You can build whatever financial application you want because you guys have all the plugins, for lack of a better word, to do that, whether it be yeah. authentication or accounts or tracking or orders or performance, That's all that correct. stuff. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. So it's a front office in a box. If you think about a financial institution, even you could assume Coinbase, they're a financial institution. You have a front office, a mid office, and a back office. We don't touch anything in the back office, any of the regulated compliance uh, parts of the platform. Uh, we do some of the mid office, and we do all of the front office. So that's really how you think of our platform is we're basically allowing you to hook in to the back office and empowering all of the front office or customer-facing functionality and it's, it's straight in the box we also have our own ux library that comes with the platform so we've done a lot of work because we've been fintech for 10 years we've now since we started hydrogen built dozens of platforms for, with people all over the world so we have a really good idea of like, what works what doesn't what clients are looking for whether they're end consumers or businesses or enterprises uh, so we kind of wrap that all into the platform uh, and it's also constant innovation uh, as opposed to software where you just make a KYC software and you sell it, uh, we're selling a platform. So when they hook in next year, our platform will double. And the year after, it might triple. And the year after, it might quadruple in terms of functionality. So it's in the cloud, and they can just upgrade, and they get new functionality. So as we add you know, new endpoints to do different calculators or simulators or 
Um, we'll talk about we're adding potentially a security token platform um, functionality on our, our platform. So you can keep adding stuff and they can just hook in and, and get all these new features. So that, that's a really cool feature we have that you know, most of the other guys don't. Interesting. And before we go on to Hydro blockchain, is there any parallel with Atom with the blockchain or crypto, or is this totally separate um, as is? It's parallel because let's, let's you know take a step back and again assume you come to me, I'm a VC, and you say, I want to build Coinbase. I don't like the, whatever Coinbase is charged now. One bucks say they charge 1%. Like, I want to charge you know half percent version of Coinbase. You know, give me a bunch of money to be able to compete with them. Um, you know, you're gonna maybe come to us, and you can build most of that platform on top of ours. Um, what you can then do is connect all of that functionality through our API, through our platform, to Hydro. So whether you're building it on ours or you already have something like Coinbase, um, it's the same same process. Um, it's just here we're making it easy because you can build it all from scratch on top of it. But really, Hydro is a connecting platform. It will connect to any infrastructure, whether you built it on ours, you built it on some something else, you hired a firm to do it, whatever it might be. Um, it, it all can connect. Um, so you can basically instantly decentralize. And that's what's really powerful. Imagine you have billions of platforms around the world in the future. They all can be decentralized without needing to go build on Hyperledger and you know, spend a ton of money trying to figure all that stuff out. No, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, you know, it, it's kind of cool what you guys are doing because not that many, not that much of the focus in blockchain or crypto today is actually on financial services beyond, you know, will it disrupt this or, or ripple, to be honest. I mean, I don't really see a lot of companies going out trying to reinvent or improve financial services beyond payments. Um, do you? No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, so we're, we have a very large retail contingent. And I think that's kind of the, the biggest problem we've seen uh, with blockchain. All the enterprise blockchain alliances, all the consortiums are very, very enterprise-oriented. It's a big pushback, as you probably know, in most of the uh, Ripple communities and forums. Like, well, are you really helping the end user? Are you pushing blockchain forward if you have just a bunch of banks sending money back and forth with each other? Um, we are much more retail-oriented as a company. You know, most of our clients are big retail banks, uh, retail insurance, retail tech companies, uh, being they have end consumers who are using them, and sometimes tens, tens of millions of them. So really, we're trying to empower them and get them on the public blockchain um, and, and not you know, sticking to these very private permissions, more institutional platforms. So we're really the only company doing this. Um, everyone else is going at it more of the institutional angle. We're going at it really from the other end. Uh, and we view, honestly, that is a more powerful way of bringing disruption um so. yeah no i i uh, i just put out a deep dive on ripple it's like 25 pages and um uh, you know i think they're i think their hearts in the right place they're trying to solve a real problem but there's just too many red flags that i found to touch that um uh, mainly because xrp's use in ripple net is limited uh the cryptocurrency within the company that's always the crux of it but yeah well, I, think, I, think every, I think every blockchain company is, is kind of running into that issue, um, you know, being able to use the blockchain. You know, it's very hard to to use a blockchain and make it usable. So that's a lot of what we focus on is UX usability, um, and uh, we do a lot of work here, a lot, a lot of work here on product. People don't realize how complicated it is to make a crypto product that people can actually use. So you're not just going to get a bunch of crypto fanatics on Reddit 
to use. So that's really what we're focused on is, is building that infrastructure that makes it usable. That's awesome. And before we circle back on, you know, what that, what the future looks like, let's switch over to the hydrogen blockchain for a second. Uh, well, the hydro blockchain, uh, why exactly again, do you have the hydro blockchain in my mind? It's if you want to take certain pieces out from your FinTech platform that you're building and you want to decentralize that you can use your hydro blockchain to connect those pieces. Yeah, basically. So the alternative here would be, again, to build your own blockchain or to do things like what R3 does or a digital asset. Um, it's build legacy products or rebuild them or build new products on top of blockchain. So we view that as a horrible idea because that usually goes nowhere. It's hard to build something that's fast and efficient and you know, millions of people can use and now try to move it over to something that's much slower. It really is not meant for you know, billions of different transactions that we use, you know, blockchain is more of a security protocol. Um, so a lot of these companies have run into problems trying to do that. Um, so our core thesis is, is this, is we're not disrupting anything that's going on in, in the web 2.0. We're just allowing the web 2.0 to transition to the web 3.0. So all you need to do to transition to the web 3.0 is integrate blockchain um, to help the end user, end user experience, help with security, help with transparency. It doesn't mean rebuilding your entire platform on chain. So there's a big difference there. I'll give you an example. Um, there's really no problem with storing, you know, customer information um, and data and all that stuff in a database. But there is a problem with is well, can do the user have access to it? Do they own it? Do they own their identity? Um, can they share their identity um, when things are happening? Is there any transparency that they're happening? So just because I, as a company, have access to that doesn't mean we also can't use the blockchain. So I think that's the, the biggest problem most of these other firms have tried to do is try to solve the wrong issue. They're trying to rebuild the entire infrastructure on chain. We're just trying to use the chain that's already available. It's already working. It's already, already very beautiful uh, to enhance the experience. Uh, so things like uh, adding more authentication and more validation that things are actually happening. So when you go to... My, my mom, for instance, she just had $15,000 of Yankees tickets charged her credit card. My mom doesn't live in New York, by the way. So how that went through, it was still kind of shaking her head. And she had to dispute it, and they, they weren't very um, you know, happy about taking it off her card. So what if you could use the blockchain to validate, well, where were you when that, that uh, Yankees.com purchase happened? You know? Um, we could train models on chain and store them on, well, has there been similar fraud? Uh, we could do a point of sale validation where she would have to fingerprint and now check against fingerprints she has on the, on the blockchain. There's all these interesting things we could do that would stop that 99.9% of the time. And that's really what we're trying to build is, is use what's already out there on chain and make people's lives better. And I think there's really no one that's tried to tackle this problem. No, that's that's awesome. And let's go into a few of the pieces of Hydro kind of for the listeners, just to put this into perspective on what you guys are actually enabling. So, you know, you guys have Raindrop for authentication, Tide for secure payments. Um, you have Neobank and Hydro. Uh, you have like a few KYC offer or a KYC offering. Let's go through like some real world use cases that you guys are enabling. I, I think Snowflake might be a good example or, or wherever you think is, is the best fit here. Sure. Yeah. So there's uh, five phases of Hydro. Uh, and we just added another one. Uh, really, really cool thing on Hydro is it's a decentralized platform. We have a community of 13,000 developers that have signed up already. We have a whole ambassador program. 
actually runs uh, most of the, the the project management and oversees a lot of the that development on the platform and the community. Um, so we're, we're much more similar to Ethereum or Neo or some of the other uh, platforms than we are at tokens. Uh, so we'll talk about that first. Um, so in terms of the, the roadmap, we have uh, five core things we built out and then one more. Uh, one's called uh, Raindrop, and that's a authentication protocol. The next is Snowflake. That's an identity protocol. Uh, the next is uh, Tide, and that's a whole payments protocol. And then we have ICE, which is for documents, and um, we have MIST for machine learning. So these are all kind of core components that we found you need to run a financial application. So these are all the same things you would need if you're running an, an off-chain application. You need to, as you mentioned, our Snowflake was our um, identity management. If you don't know who your customers are, especially that you know 90% plus of all uh, signups and transactions and commerce now is done digitally, it's not done in person, uh, you need to know who they are. Like, who are they? Where are they? What are they? How do they get there? Uh, you need to be able to validate they are who they say they are. Um, so we have a whole identity management protocol, which is that ERC-1484 um, that I was telling you about before that we actually introduced. And it allows you to mint Snowflake. It basically it ties your any, any identity information that you want on chain. And then we're hooking in through our DAP store, a bunch of third-party DAPs. So another cool thing about our platform is we have distribution for third parties. So if you're a KYC provider, um, let's say you do a banking KYC, you build a DAP, and then every banking partner comes on to our platform going forward. We would say, hey, we have Snowflake, we have the mobile app, the customer downloads the mobile app, they create their Snowflake. All they have to do is and hook that into one of the KYC providers that you want. So if you want uh, KYC provider A from the DAP store, you tell the user to select it, and then the KYC provider does the authentication. That would then stamp them on chain. Then every time going forward, uh, they don't have to do the KYC again if they don't want. So if bank B comes along and says, oh, we accept that KYC provider, they're one of our preferred people, that's great. And then they just onboard the person right away. So it stops you from doing you know, KYC every time, and obviously it would stop uh, a, lot, a lot of the fraud. Um, that protocol is also compatible with other identity standards. So like I said, that's more of an aggregation. So if um, someone comes along and says, oh, we only accept Sovereign or Uport or we work with Civic, we say, fine, that, that's compatible with this as well. And we just use that as a resolver on, on chain uh, for the Snowflake. So it's a very, very, very powerful open architecture protocol that can really help with any kind of identity or attestations on chain uh, in the future. So that, that one we're really excited about. So that's just like a really simple example. Um, just uh, Mike, just rounding out that example. So let's say that a bank implements uh, the majority of what you have. You know, Snowflake, Ice, Tide. You know, for Raindrop. Let's say a bank implements all of these pieces uh, to improve their process for their customers. You guys give an example online. I think it's pretty good just to, for people to visualize this. If you have somebody that wants to open a bank account, they could use Snowflake with your Hydro app to handle KYC, and then they could hand use Ice which is on Hydro, to handle the documents. And they could use Raindrop for authentication. So basically, banks and other entities could take all these pieces and implement it just like that for new applications in real time. That's right, yeah. So what we're trying to build is the end-to-end platform. So again, it gets back to the same thing we talked about a few times. Are you a platform 
or are you more of like a, a vertical feature? If you're a platform, you need to do end-to-end. So that's what we're trying to enable is end-to-end functionality. Uh, it's a two-sided marketplace too. So we have banks, we have insurance companies, we have tech companies that are clients already, either of Hydro or Atom. Um, and then on the other side, we have uh, consumers, we have vendors, we have integration partners, we have uh, DAP providers, we have consulting firms. So it's kind of a very, very robust ecosystem. And the more people we get in each of those, the easier it is to sell the rest of them. So a big problem that Civic and some of these other platforms have had, as many of your listeners have probably read about, is, well, we only have solved one side of the marketplace. You know, they have uh, a lot of people that want to offer, let's say, KYC or you know, offer payments or things like that, but they don't have the end users. Because why would why would end user go there? End user no, no, that's uh, that's super stuff. interesting. I, I wanted to get into your competitors from the real world, but your your I wouldn't even I don't know if I would call them competitors, but just looked on your website. If we look at identity, your competition there would be possibly Civic, which is a huge crypto project as well. Documents might be DocuSign today. Authentication might be Twilio today or Google Auth or something like that. And payments could be anything, Dash, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, take your pick. What you're saying is that these competitors will never have the edge you guys have because they're inherently not connected? Yes. So they're providing a feature or service. So typically features or services are sold through platforms. So that's really what our overarching commentary would be is we want these guys to partner with us. We don't really want to compete because we're like, but you can't compete with us. If you're just doing a KYC API, there are thousands, literally thousands of KYC APIs. It's a sales-oriented process, but there's no ecosystem there. So you have to just keep selling the next person. We have an ecosystem because we already have clients. Uh, one of our clients, for instance, is TD Bank. They have 25, uh, 20 plus million customers in Canada and the US. Um, and we could go sell hundreds of more uh, firms like this. So you can imagine if we have that many end users on our platform, all have access to the same APIs, um, uh, they could use all this stuff instantly. Where if you're like a Civic, how are you going to convince a bank to use your platform? Because you aren't a platform yourself. You're not really giving them anything besides KYC. So these are traditionally sold through third parties. So all these different verticals would be sold through, you know, an Oracle or Salesforce would put them in their app store or Apple or someone like that would put them in like some kind of app exchange and then you would sell them that way. So it's the same thing we're doing. We built our own app exchange. It's called uh, the Hydro Dapp Store. Uh, we haven't we haven't thought of a better name for that uh, yet. So maybe Tom, <laughs> um, you can come up with something. But for now, it's called the uh, the Dapp Store. And so it'd be the same concept. They could basically deploy a Dapp in our store, and then we could offer it to our millions of potential customers. So it's a maybe very- uh, maybe C of Dapps to go with the Hydro name or something. Like that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can call it like the uh, Sea or a Lake. Or yeah. Water. For, for disclosure, I do own some Civic tokens that I bought a while back. Um, I, I just, I'm a huge fan of Vinny. I, I really think he's a great thought leader in the space. But I do understand what you're saying is that connecting all of these pieces together is the only way to really make seamless end-to-end applications. And having one project separately, no matter how good it is, is always going to be an issue. That's right. Um, yeah, this distribution, I think the biggest challenge most blockchain entrepreneurs have had they're, they're, they're not really focused on distribution. A lot of them are trying to build cool products. And we've used a lot of these. We've partnered with a lot of these. And we have very frank conversations with them. 
and like, look, you need to look in the mirror. Like, how are you going to distribute this and sell it? You build something really cool, but how are you going to get people to use it? And in the end, no one's using your your platform. There's really no use to it, to be honest with you. Um, there's, no, point. No, there's no there's no acquisitions, very very few yet in blockchain. Uh, there's no IPO because most of these guys have already ICO'd. So where are you going from there? You need to find some kind of um, distribution model. So we're really trying to help other platforms, and we've partnered with a ton of them so far. We'll announce some by the end of the year to really build some really cool integrated experience where we can offer it to our customers. Uh, it's not really disruptive to them. If anything, it would help them to get more customers. No, that's awesome. So I know we, we talked about this, but you're right up the alley of building the next finance, the infrastructure for the next, you know, the web 3.0 of finance. I mean, do you think that you're going to be disruptive to current companies today? I, it sounds to me like you're more of enabling existing banks and insurance companies to offer better products, but it also sounds like you could be disruptive to, let's say, Twilio for authentication or DocuSign on documents um, or payment companies today. You know, what's your take on who you're going to disrupt or who you could put out of business if you're successful? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So we, we view ourselves as creating a new vertical. So the same way that you know Amazon and Google and Facebook have, have owned the Web 2.0, uh, we want to be one of the, you know, let's say three to five companies that own own the Web 3.0. I mean, you can even put PayPal in there. Like PayPal is probably the biggest innovator in the Web 2.0 in the, the fintech space by by far, and Square as well. Um, so we really want to be that kind of company for the Web 3.0. So I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily displacing. We view this as a, a blue ocean, not a red ocean, um, because no one's doing it yet. No one's really solved how to enable financial services on chain. Um, people are only going after very small pieces of it. There's no one going after the whole platform approach like we are. Um, so that's really how we think about it. Um, in terms of, you know, outside of that, our platform really wasn't meant to put banks out of business. We think about it more of creating the next bank. You know, that means that by creating the next cool bank, uh, you imagine, you know, ten, five years ago, 10 years ago, you said I could create something like Robinhood or Coinbase. Is Robinhood necessarily putting out of business Schwab? Well, probably not. Is Coinbase putting out of business, uh, I don't know, the NYC? Well, probably not. Uh, if anything, it probably makes them stronger because it helps them to to uh, add new features to the platform and innovate. Uh, so that's kind of how we view ourselves as an enabler for those next versions of those really cool platforms. They're going to have tens of millions of customers. Uh, maybe they put people out of business, but that's not really why we, we built the platform. Honestly, it's, it's really to just enable innovation. So we view ourselves like an innovation platform and not necessarily a, a business that's just trying to make things more efficient. No, that's, that's interesting. The comparisons are helpful to, you know, visualize where you guys are. So I guess I just have some more, I guess, faster technical questions for you. I mean, you know, just moving on, you guys have the hydro blockchain. I mean, what's the discussion on, you know, why can't you just use Ethereum's blockchain? It seems like you guys are, you know, already building on Ethereum's blockchain. You put out your own ERC, which I, for the listeners, I'll, I'll just say this. It's not easy to put an ERC out, let alone get the community to adopt it, as we've seen with the last, you know, minor war on just changing the block rewards. And that those are four competing ERCs. That was a big deal. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, why can't you just use Ethereum? Why do you need your own blockchain? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I think this is more applicable to 
companies that are doing tokens. So we, we have a lot of people integrating our raindrop or snowflake that have tokens. Um, the tokens really don't serve much purpose other than just allowing people to pay in their, their tokens. They're, they're really traditional tech companies that have latched onto the blockchain and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're, they're really making a effort to make it more blockchain oriented than it has to be. So those are probably better off built on waves or, or Ethereum or Neo or something like that. And just using their native token. Um, we can't do that because we think of ourselves like a layer two technology on top of Ethereum. Um, you know, being layer two is a lot more complicated. We have buyers, we have sellers, we have, three, four-sided marketplaces for some of these things. We have escrow contracts. We have on-chain transactions, off-chain transactions, validations, and uh, all this uh, IPFS and a lot a lot of integrations happening. Um, it's almost impossible just to use uh, the Ethereum token. Now, we've had to do a lot of engineering on our end. Uh, we're working now with Plasma, which is an uh, initiative, another layer two initiative to make Ethereum transactions faster and stronger. Um, you know, it's just much better for us to, to have a closed ecosystem. So the way we view, view these tokens is they need to be closed ecosystems. You can't prove that you need to have a closed ecosystem where, you know, it's in the be benefit of the buyers and sellers and supply and demand for there to be your own token moving back and forth, then you should use Ethereum. Uh, and that's clearly the case with us because we have, again, we have banks, we have customers, we have third-party vendors, and moving Ethereum is almost like, in the U.S., we use the analogy, if you have a, a corner store in Chicago, you would never accept euros. What, what are you going to do with it? You're just going to convert it back to dollars anyway. So it's the same kind of thing. If you're in a community, you're going to have to use the local currency. So uh, we view ourselves in that way. Uh, but it's a really interesting point that you raise uh, there. Uh, we, we like Ethereum going forward. We think there's a lot of good development. Uh, you mentioned we're doing ERC-1484. We're also on the ERC-725 um, Alliance, we're one of the founding members of that, which is another identity token standard that's actually compatible with the one that we made. Uh, we go to all the the ETH uh, blockchain hackathons and events. We're very active in the community. So we feel like we're a really strong community, people building a lot of cool stuff. Um, it's very, very decentralized as well. So it really it, it serves us very well. And uh, we just hope that it, you know as it goes forward, it gets more scalable and more people start building on top of it. And we've already kind of built around some of those challenges. That's great. Yeah, no, you're one of the most relentless people I see, Mike. Every time I open LinkedIn, I see a new award that Hydrogen's won or a new conference that you're at. I don't know how you handle traveling so much, but <laughs> somebody has to, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we're really innovation focused here. And, uh, you know, we never did an ICO, token sale, or anything like that. We From day one, we've been really focused on development community. So the reason why I think we've gotten a lot of traction is we put a lot of emphasis in content, uh, transparency, and community incubation. So we basically started from zero people in our community in February to like 11,000, 12,000 now from scratch. We haven't paid in for any of them. We haven't done any weird marketing. Um, it's just putting out cool products, getting involved with the community, putting out updates, doing partnerships, winning awards, doing press etc. And people started to really respond well. And then and over time, we've handed them off more responsibility. So we're almost fully decentralized at this point. And we're one of the few uh, companies that are like that. Um, right now, as we speak, people are doing work on the platform and they don't work for me. They don't work for Hydrogen. They, they just work in the community because they want to um, you know, make everything better. So we think that's really important. 
No, that's interesting. And for those new to crypto, I mean, not doing an ICO coupled with no paid promotions is extremely respectable. And there's not that many projects that could point to that. Um, I know Blockstack, ZeroX also did some really clean ICOs, but uh, this is a little different. Well, Blockstack, I don't know. They didn't really do an ICO yet. They did vouchers. But uh, just moving on, you know, I know I asked you why you have your own blockchain and you also have your own token. What's the tokens use case uh, within the ecosystem? Sure. Um, so like I was explaining before, we have, we have a closed ecosystem, so we want you know, tokens moving around the ecosystem. So I'll give you an example. Every DAP that gets made in our DAP store, uh, when they're tying into the different smart contracts, so let's say it's the Snowflake, which is the identity smart contract, um, they can basically set a use case for the token. So a very simple use case would be if you're a KYC provider, you could charge uh, a bank a thousand hydro or some floating amount based off exchange rates um, for every KYC. You also can build some special DAP, and you could say for the end user, uh, if you want to instantly onboard um, every time, like you don't want to have to do any checks or you want it to go faster, or um, I don't know, you want some special privilege for this particular partner, like a credit card company. Uh, here, you pay us 10,000 hydro, and you, and you could do it that way. So payments is one of the primary uses, and all that's set in the, by the DAP uh, individually. So it's very, very customized and very customizable. Um, the second thing would be things like escrow. We're doing things on chain. So let's say you, we have in our ICE protocol we're building out, uh, potentially they're looking at doing some escrow contracts. Um, so potentially that would allow you to uh, hold, let's say, an insurance contract, if you're a farmer, you could build uh, a third party could build a DAP that would hold the contracts uh, in there in escrow, and you could release them, uh, and they would hold it with a certain amount of hydro. Um, so these are very very specific to our ecosystem, and also encourages people moving tokens back and forth, which creates really really clean supply and demand in, in the ecosystem. So you don't have those kind of choppy uh, charts that some of the other guys do because it should be fully based off of who's using it, how many people are coming in, how many people are going out, how many people are paying, how many people are receiving. So it's almost like its own economy. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And two of the other points I want to get to is you, you talked about your community voted in a new initiative for you guys. I think it's tied. Um, how, how exactly does governance on hydrogen work? And for those who are new to crypto, governance is, should be one of the main focuses whenever you're looking at a project because the ability for token holders to vote is a huge, you know, principal agent problem that um, if solved correctly is fantastic for a project. And if not, it's bad for a project. Yeah. So we, we have something very similar to Ethereum. So again, we think of ourselves like a platform built on top of Ethereum. Ethereum to us is a low level protocol. It, it, there's no products on Ethereum. You're, they're not going to go create apps. Uh, so they haven't so far. So we, we kind of view ourselves as the platform there that's building the financial apps on top of there. So we have a very similar process. We have a, a comment section on our GitHub. You can go on there now. There's tons of requests for comments, um, proposals. Anyone in the community can put those up there. Um, so for instance, I proposed Hail, which is the sixth phase, and that's been accepted for Hydro. And that would be for security tokenization. Um, we find this to be a huge problem. A lot of clients are asking, there's really no good platform right now. Again, people do pieces of it. Polymath does piece. Stellar just launched StellarX. They do a piece. But no one's doing the whole thing. They don't have like front to back 
KYC, UX, onboarding, back office integrations through our Atom platform, for instance. We have all the components there uh, to do that, combined with the Snowflake identity and things like that. Um, so I proposed that. People did comments. And then we have an ambassador program called Decentralization Ambassadors. They're elected. So right now there's about 15 of them. There's plans to have over 100 in the next year. Um, they have full control over a, a large chunk of tokens. They allocate them. They uh, pay do transactions with them. They elect more ambassadors. They oversee new development and integrations. We have about 12 integrations ongoing the platform. So things like um, we integrate into WordPress's store. We integrate into Shopify store and Magento store. So basically, you as a business now can use some of our applications out of the box. So they're overseeing a lot of those uh, ecosystem expansions and development. Um, you know, white paper creation, video creation, um, developer documentation. They're overseeing a lot of that. Um, and then we have a core team here that works for Hydrogen Company um, that isn't related to them at all. We just work on some of the core technology, so core smart contracts, core architecture, core product, uh, and then those guys kind of work around it. So we, we view ourselves very similar to Ethereum in that way. They have a few core developers, um, and then they have you know a few thousand kind of uh, dedicated people on the outside doing different projects. So it's very, very similar. And we, we think this works very well, and we would highly recommend that other companies do similar things. It's very, very uh, good for long-term sustainability of the platform. Yeah, no, building a community of developers, especially those that are incentivized, is extremely important to for the success of a project. And you see that on Ethereum versus Bitcoin, to be honest. Um, and a lot of Bitcoin devs, I think, moved over to Ethereum because of that community yeah. um, growing. And yeah, and I mean, so starting from zero, you guys have, you know, over 10,000 developers signed up. You didn't pay for anything. You didn't do an ICO. You have some great partnership. I mean, you just announced TD Bank as a client. Have you guys released any metrics on, you know, client counts or partner counts or or potentially like um, how many businesses are using pieces of, of your blockchain or, or anything like that? Yep. Yeah, so we're very transparent. Um, we actually have a whole uh, partner page and we post virtually everything as you probably seen on Twitter, on Telegram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on blog. We probably do one or two blog posts a day, some, some weeks, and we're releasing everything. So we have over 30 partners, probably close to 40 at this point. Partners for us would be integration partners, um, other API companies that integrate into ours, we integrate into them. Um, we have consulting firms as partners. So for instance, Capco is one of the largest financial consultants. Uh, we have clients. So some of those clients are startups. Some of them are larger companies, like you mentioned, TD. We also have Principal Financial, the big client. They have 20 plus million customers uh, around the world. Um, and that, that list is growing every day. So our plan would be the ecosystem just explodes in the next few years. We'll probably have a few thousand people on that list. Um, those integrating Hydro, those servicing Hydro, end users of Hydro, um, et cetera. Uh, we also have a mobile app in the App Store. Um, and we're getting up there in terms of number of downloads of that app. Uh, really, all we're trying to do now is get more business to integrate. So uh, we just had another three or four crypto projects in the last week. Uh, for instance, uh, MineXPay, they have about 26,000 credit card subscribers, I think, at this point. Uh, they integrated Hydro. We had another um, freelancer project that's really cool. 
they have they just finished their ICO. They probably have five or ten thousand customers. So we're just trying to tally up all of these uh, really interesting projects. They're early adopters. They use the technology. They integrate it real fast. And our goal in the next year would be you know a million plus end users of the application. We, we think that's realistic. Um, just you know need to work a little bit more on uh, making it easier for people to onboard, uh, easier to integrate, and make it very developer friendly. And that, that's most of our focus right now. Um, but we're very very transparent. We we basically publish everything. On our site, we'll soon have some metrics on the site where you can follow every day how many people are downloading, how many people are using stuff on chain, et cetera. So it's even more transparent than we need to be. No, that's awesome. And I, I hate to even say this in a negative light, but you have some amazing clients. TD is one of the largest banks in the world. Uh, Principles, a huge global insurance company. CI Investments, they're huge. They have over $130 billion in assets. So, I mean, if you have these phenomenal customers, you know, why isn't the Hydro token or, or, you know, getting more press, do you think, or, you know, why isn't the top 10 project? Cause I've seen worse projects um, with, you know, way less credible clients, you know, with way larger market caps. Um, is it that you guys aren't promotional or is it that it's early stages or, um, and, and before you answer, I preface this with, I'm a fan of being non-promotional and, really doing the work i just have to ask yeah so it's an interesting question so we are a technology company uh and really all we focused on in the last year since we launched the company has been technology and product um you have to remember you know 98 percent of startups fail we're already profitable in our first year of business so we've already beaten out you know 98 of people in the market in our in just our first year of business um, so I think people get enamored sometimes where they see you know, 10 or 20 companies getting press and, and all these the millions of uh, potential users or whatever and billions of dollars in valuation. Well, that, those are really a, not, not the mainstream. There's tens of thousands of other blockchain companies that don't go anywhere. They can't even launch products. So I do feel like we're in the top 10 in terms of traction in terms of product we can't do anything about anything else that's really out of our control so that's really the stance we take is we're focused on product technology now, obviously we didn't do a token sale so it's, we're really starting kind of the race uh you know halfway uh, behind and on the track so it's kind of like a horse or a horse race if someone got like a 10 second head start obviously if you have a really fast horse you can catch up that's kind of where we're at now. So I would say that would be my comment there is we're just focused on the tech um, and obviously projects that have a lot of hype that raised a lot of money and they have embedded with them, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of people who, you know, if you invest in an ICO, you really don't want them to fail, right? If you put a few hundred bucks in there, you can do everything possible to make that company not fail. So they, they've kind of bought themselves a few years of runway. Uh, but over time, we feel like this will play itself out. And the companies and every and every cycle of tech that have built really cool products and gotten people to use them have been successful. So that's really all we're focused on is just product. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's huge. I mean, one of my goals is to find the best undiscovered crypto companies first, and you guys are definitely high up on my list. Um, I guess one of my last questions for you, Mike, is I know we talked about Ripple before, and they're more institutionally focused, uh, not so much for consumers or retail, but What's your take there? I mean, do you think that eventually you could move on to their turf or, or anything there with what they do on global payments and remittances, anything there? Yeah. Uh, well, so we're, we're very client-centric. 
honestly, we've never gotten any demand from clients for that. So again, I think <laughs> the big pushback people have is it's actually a very niche product. Yes, people who do that make a lot of money. So don't get me wrong. Remittances uh, between banks is very, very profitable, lucrative. There's middlemen make a lot of money, but it's very kind of niche. I mean, there's not like, the average person on the street doesn't know this is happening. It, it doesn't really help them uh, too much um, solving like B2B payments. Um, so we're very retail focused again. So I, I think we would view ourselves more maybe like a transfer wise uh, disruptor or something like that. Someone who's doing more retail oriented uh, payments or remittances. You know, if you're sending remittance from Mexico to, to the US, and that's like the second or third biggest part of the Mexican economy. Um, that could be a huge potential win for, for blockchain. Um, and if people, businesses start integrating our app, everyone has mobile phones. We have mobile apps and we have a DAP store. It's going to educate people and get them to integrate. And over the next five or 10 years, we think we get a lot of business uh, in some of these areas. Uh, but I, I don't know about Ripple, again, because it's very institutional. We, we really try not to do too much institutional right now because it's not really in our DNA. Um, and institutions are very, very... Uh, inverse to public blockchain and we're really trying to advance public blockchains and ripple is very a lot more centralized than, than our company is yeah no that's uh they're definitely a centralized company there's no doubt about that well mike is there anything that you wanted to talk about that i didn't ask you or anything that you thought was important no i think we covered everything this has been awesome um hopefully all your listeners learned a lot about not just us but also you know the industry at large and kind of all the interesting things that are happening yeah, of course. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'll definitely have you back on again after we have some more recent events to talk about. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Please rate and review it to help other people find it. And visit 51pct.io for our latest research report.